Welcome to the Faith Christian Church Podcast. You're listening to a message from one of our many gatherings that we have throughout the week. For more information on service times, ways that you can be a part of the work that God is doing in our communities, and so much more, you can visit our website at faithchristianwi.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Continuing tonight, our series called Kings and Prophets. And uh, how many of you were here Sunday for when we, when we opened this? Raise your hand if you were here. Uh, just a really, really exciting uh, topic uh, as we begin to look all the way through uh, the Old Testament, really, uh, as we begin to see the word of God through, through his people and, and how it began to shape a nation. And uh, I'm just excited to be able to continue that tonight. Uh, and we're going to be talking uh, about just that here. So let's, before we do, let's go ahead and let's just pray. Let's invite God uh, to really speak to us as we lean in to his words here tonight. Lord, we just thank you for, for everything that you're doing in this place and within these people. And, 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 and for us tonight, it's, it's our prayer that you would speak to us above and beyond anything that we might be distracted by, above and beyond the the busyness or the chaos of our lives, that you would speak to us through that and that you would bring us new life through your words. God, I just thank you that, that as we're here tonight and your presence already is here through our time of worship and singing, that, that you'll continue it and that you will make tonight impactful for each and every one of us in Jesus' name. And we all said... Amen. So as we launched a little bit this Sunday, we talked about uh, sort of the, the shaping of an entire culture. And as we, as we talk about uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about the people of Israel. We're going to be talking about uh, a, a prophet and a king. And so we're talking about kings and prophets. But Sunday we talked about how the people of Israel had searched for this idea of a magic kingdom, something that was, something that was better than what they had. What they had was this man named Samuel. And as, uh, as, as time went on and, and they began to look at other countries and they began to look at other peoples, they said, these other people, they have, they have a king and that's what we want. We want something to be proud of. We want somebody to lead us. We want somebody to move us forward. And all the while, Samuel's there and he listens to God and God said, okay, you can have a king. And so we learned this, just this last week that God sometimes gives us the things that we want, even if they're not the things that we need. Have you ever done that with, with your child? Have you ever done that where you're like, you know, uh, it, where they say, I, hey, I really, I really want to do this. And you're like, okay, I'll let you do that. Even though you know that it's not good for them so they can maybe learn a lesson or they can begin to see something in a different way. This is essentially what God allowed to have happen through this people is so that they could see that they didn't want, need to rely on a person but that they should be relying on God. And throughout, even as there were kings in the future from where we will be reading, he wants this to be continually happening in their lives. But unfortunately what happened is, is they, they began to fall into a cycle where not only did they rely just on a person to lead their country, not only did they just rely on a, a, a system and a way of doing things, but they began to rely on themselves. And little by little there would be things that would creep into their lives and, and creep into the nations like, like the worshiping of idols and practices that were far away from where God wanted 
And so they fell into a cycle where, where they never seemed to be able to really get, to really be going full steam ahead. And even though there were good kings and even though they were good prophets, they never were able to truly get there. And so even though these prophets continually spoke the words of God to these people, we find that they weren't ever quite able to capture it. And so as Israel wanted a king, God's way was, even though God's way wasn't just to provide a king, he wanted someone who could take up the call to lead them through his word and and through his law. And we're going to read a story here tonight, and I'll invite you to turn there if you will. It's found in the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 15. We're going to be talking about two people specifically tonight. We're going to be talking about the prophet Samuel and King Saul. You see, the prophets, as they were sent by God, from this point and literally hundreds of years after that, many of them, as you begin to read, if you begin to, if you're if you're like me, I'm 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 drawn to I'm drawn to the Old Testament prophets. Because these were people who listened and heard the voice of God and then delivered that word to a people. And so I'm drawn to their lives. I'm drawn to the things that they did. I'm drawn to the things that they said when they weren't delivering the word of the Lord. I'm I'm, I'm sort of drawn and I'm sort of enamored by the things that they did and the life that they lived. And, and, And as you begin to look at the relationship here, we're going to read it in a second, between Samuel and Saul, you'll see that the relationship, and as we found out even a little bit last week, there may not have been a buddy buddy relationship between these two guys. The the entire country wanted Samuel out and they wanted someone else in. And as Samuel anointed Saul to be the king, the people began to rally around Saul. And you can imagine if you were Samuel that you would have felt like you were just put on the back burner. And you probably would have thought, well, if they, they, they need to know that there's still a word of the Lord. They need to know that there's still a way to live. They need to know that there's still a path and a way to follow. And so Samuel is doing his best to try to deliver that in the midst of wars, in the midst of people trying to attack their land, in the midst of idolatrous practices trying to infiltrate their religion to worship God. So in the midst of all of this chaos, Samuel and Saul find themselves trying to lead a nation together. Now, they might not have seen it that way. They might each have thought that I'm the one who's leading, but in essence, they were trying to lead it together. And what we learned, of course, we learned this, you know, just as we began to introduce this, that God begins to give them what they want, even though it's not what they need. And so, we have a king, we have a prophet, and we have a king who's trying to do everything that he can to benefit the people. And from what I can gather about Saul and his life, if I could sort of wrap it up a little bit, I would say that this is someone who truly did have the good of the people at heart. He wanted the good of the people. He fought hard both in battles and in other, and in other areas to try to make that happen. But often he came up short. And we're going to read a story in 1 Samuel 15 that begins to illustrate how he came up short. But before we do that, 
I want to ask you a question. Has there ever been a time in your life where your intentions didn't line up with your actions? Think about that for a second. Has there ever been a time in your life where your intentions didn't line up with your actions? This is something that you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be real, I'm gonna be open with everybody here tonight. This is like the greatest struggle, not just like of a part of my life, but of all of my life. I have great intentions. Um, I have great intentions of doing things like being really organized. Um, I'm like, man, I see these organized people. We were just talking about this. Like, I have good intentions about learning how to type well. And I've said this before. I'm so, I'm so enamored by people who can type really fast. Like, it's just, how do you type so fast? How do you type 100 words in a minute? And I'm sitting over here, and I'm just, you know, pecking along. And so I have these good intentions, and I'm always like, I'm going to go on a YouTube video, and I'm going to watch a video about how I can type better. But I never do it. Because I'm just like, well, if I ever need something to be typed up, I'll just ask someone. Right? My intentions are good to learn it. And when somebody would say, hey, Aaron, have you been working on your typing? I would say, yeah, I've been working on my typing between my ears. <laughs> this, is, this is my life. And everything that like, I feel like I'm not very good at, and, and I always want to get better at things, right? And I think, you know, I, I think that I'm describing a lot of us here tonight, but we want to get, there's things in life we know that we want to get better at, you know, whether it's, you know, and, and maybe they're just silly things like typing, but maybe they're things like, oh, there's things that I, I, I just, I want to get better at. I want to not do these bad things that I do. I, I want to, I want to not get too angry with my kids and, 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 and I want to say the right things. And if somebody would ask us, hey, how are you doing with that? You'd say, I'm doing good. But we're really not. And so we're going to read a story about how intentions and actions sort of became a problem for this man named Saul. First Samuel 15. The heading of this verse seems like it's, or for this chapter, seems like it's going to be really good. Saul defeats the Amalekites. I mean, great. Awesome, right? Not so awesome in the end. One day it said in verse 1, Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you, the king of his people Israel. Now listen to the message of the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies have declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came out of Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So Saul mobilized his army at Telium, and there were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to the town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley, and Saul sent this warning to the Kenites, move away from where the Amalekites live, or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt, so the Kenites packed up and left. Wise move, right? Verse 7, then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Hevelah all the way up to Shur, east of Egypt, and he captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and the goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them, and they destroyed only what was worthless and of poor quality. Gulp. Then the Lord said to Samuel, 
I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. And Samuel Samuel was so deeply moved that when he heard this, he cried out to the Lord all night. Now, I know that I said before that there was maybe a bit of tension between Samuel and Saul, but this verse also helps us see that regardless of whether there was tension, that Samuel believed that Saul could succeed, or at least there was some part of him that believed he could succeed and that he could lead a nation into godliness, okay? Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul, and someone told him Saul went down, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself, And then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out the Lord's command. This is the response. This is the one. You ever have somebody that you just, there's a response and then it's like, ooh, burn, right? Get ready for a Samuel burn. He said in verse 14, so he said, I've carried, Saul said, I've carried out all the Lord's commands. Verse 14 said, then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle, Saul admitted. But they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. And we've destroyed everything else. And Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked. And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until all are dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? Verse 20, but I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought the best of the sheep and the goats and the plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? If we were to not phrase that in a question, it would say this, Saul, to obey is better than to sacrifice. To obey is better than to sacrifice. Listen, he said, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission better than burnt offerings and the fat of rams. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. This is a defining moment for Saul. And as you begin to sort of think about those very heavy words coming from someone with a lot, carrying a lot of spiritual weight, you can begin to see that not only can it be important for Saul just to make decisions in the moment and some things are more difficult than others, but Saul begins to realize even in this moment, let's for a moment give Saul the benefit of the doubt 
Now, I mean, if you were a skeptic, you would say, yeah, Saul never really intended to sacrifice those. I mean, he was, he was just gathering what was good and, and he wanted them for himself. If you're a skeptic, you're saying that. But let's, for tonight's sake, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he intended with his heart to do that. You see, he, he realized in that moment that his intentions were not nearly as important as his actions. And I think what we want, when we read something like this, and certainly when I read something like this, it strikes me so hard because there are decisions that we make each and every day, often really small decisions, and, and in seemingly insignificant moments where we let our intentions get in the way of our actions doing the right thing. And we can justify things however we want and, and we can allow what we do to reflect our own desires versus the desires of God. Why is it so important in this moment? Did, 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 you, catch what, what, did you catch what Samuel was saying? Samuel was, was going to Saul and he was saying, God commanded you to do this. He sent you to defeat the Amalekites and to wipe them out completely. Why didn't you obey? And of course, Saul came up with these excuses, but, but, but what was happening in this moment is God was looking for a leader, a man who was full of character. And, and, and being a person of good character means that you don't just walk out your, in your good intentions, and you don't just live by good intentions and let the commands of God fall to the wayside. A man of character would say, regardless of my intentions or anybody else's that are trying to find their way in, I'm going to walk out the plan that God has for me. I'm going to walk out his law. I'm going to walk out his way for my life. And as difficult as that can be to hear for Saul, I think sometimes it can be difficult for us to hear because we live our lives like that. We, and I want you to kind of think about this fact. We, we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions. If somebody comes to you and does something really bad, it wouldn't matter what their intentions were to you. They just did something bad to you, Right? If my brother comes up to me and hits me in the face really, really hard with his fist and said, well, I mean, I was kind of thinking there might be a mosquito on your face, so you won't really hold that against me, right? I'm going to say, no, you punched me in the face, dude. So do, do we begin to see that, the, that actions have far more weight than intentions? Is it good that we have good intentions and that we think good thoughts about doing the things that God's asked us to do? Absolutely. If we don't think those thoughts, then we're never going to have good actions. But it, and, and it can start with intentions, but it has to be followed through with the actions that he's called us to. Now, what does that look like for us? Because it's like, you know, I don't know where you're getting at, but I'm not the king of Israel. So, I mean, there just isn't as much weight on me as there is on Saul, but I beg to differ. Because what God was looking for in this man, Saul, was somebody who could set the example for an entire nation as to how you can walk and live in obedience to God. And when I read this, I think about my own life, and I think about how even though those decisions that I make every day, those small ones that can be like seemingly insignificant, what God is looking for me to do is he's looking for me to make the right decisions. He's looking for me to walk 
out those steps, even if they're difficult, because I know that there's my kids and there's my family that are looking to me. And each and every one of us here in this place, there are people that are looking to you. Regardless of whether you would say, well, I don't really carry much of a position at my workplace. I just sort of slip in and I slip out. I would venture a bet that most of the people at your workplace know that you're a Christian and that they're watching you. And so God is giving you, in a sense, the responsibility for their lives on your shoulders. And you might say, I don't want it. doesn't matter. God has put you in your workplace. He's put you in your families. He's put you in your circle of friends because he's called you to reach those people. He's called you to help lead those people. You say, well, I'm not leading them anywhere. You know, we're just kind of all working together. But the reality is, is they're watching you for your actions because they like all of the people of Israel were looking to Saul, they're looking for somebody to stand up for something. They're looking for you to stand up in your character and the decisions that you make. I'm not talking about silly decisions like learning how to type. I'm talking about the ones that we think are insignificant, but people will notice. And I'm not just talking about having a good reputation and trying to have a good Christian face so that people think you're great. I'm talking about living a real, authentic, genuine Christian life where you would say, you know what, God? I might want this or I might want that, but I know that what you've called me to is a life of holiness. I know that what you've called me to is a life of obedience. And I think that you'd be surprised if you began to think about it like that. Think about the decisions that you make each and every day. My son and I are doing this, this thing where each night when we pray, you know, we, of course, as any six-year-old does, they, he struggles sometimes with making the right decisions. And, and I'm trying to help him understand, hey, you know, e each really small decision that you make right helps enforce the idea of when you make big decisions that those decisions are right. And so I said, you know what, let's just both ask God. I said, and I tell him, I said, I said, Jasper, I don't make the right decisions all the time either, but I need to pray to ask God to help me do it. And so every night we, we pray and we're like, all right, God, help us make the right decisions each day, even when it doesn't seem like it matters. And I'm not trying to over-spiritualize a six-year-old's prayer because, as you know, they're not sometimes that spiritual. <laughs> or all your kids are. Okay, great. <laughs> dad, can, God, can Dad take me to Disneyland tomorrow? Um, you, can have, you need a lot of faith for that one. Uh, but... Those decisions that we make, I think sometimes we overlook them because we don't feel the weight of the responsibility that God gives us. But there's people in our workplaces that need to know about who God is. And it doesn't mean you stand up on a soapbox and you just start preaching all the time and you, you know, stop, you know, punch of the big button on a factory floor and everything stops. I've never worked at a factory, but I assume there's a big button and you can just punch it and everything stops. Um, just like all in the movies, right? So... It's probably not it, but I'm not saying that you do that, but, I'm, but what will happen is you begin to share the message of hope with people when in those seemingly insignificant times, when everyone else around you is complaining, you find something positive to say. 
Because your intentions might be that you want to do something good, but you're drawn away by temptation to do something different. Saul, in this point, is being drawn away by, the, by his intentions to help others do good. We know we talked about that. We, I believe that his intentions were to help bring the entire nation to God and bring him into a place of victory. And he was obviously excited about this victory, but what he didn't realize is that his actions had consequences. And regardless of his intentions... He needed to do what was right in the eyes of God. So, Saul's intentions, even though they were different from his actions, we can begin to learn from what he did. You see, because obedience to God requires us to trust in him rather than ourselves. The longer we we live out our Christian lives, this is... This has been, you know, the more that I've talked to people and the more that I've just observed other people and my own life, one of the greatest temptations as you live out your Christian life 10, 15, 20 years in is not that you're going to go back to your old way of living and you're going to completely abandon, you know, the the faith that you have. But one of the greatest temptations that you'll have as a Christian, the more that you get into it and the longer you follow Christ, will be that you can do it on your own. Because you've had to say no to temptations now for 10, 20, maybe 30 years. And the temptation then is to say, I got this. I can do this. This is something that I can do on my own. I don't, I, I, I don't really have that temptation to do what I did. And, and now I can just sort of do this on my own. I believe Saul found himself in a place of temptation where he thought, I can do this on my own. I can begin to make decisions that, you know, I'm not so sure about all of the things that God commanded me to do in this. I mean, wouldn't, I mean, certainly he would have wanted me to sacrifice these animals. So we begin to think for ourselves. We begin to say, I can do this. I got this. Versus, God, I need you every day. And so it's important for us to remember that place where we submitted our lives to Jesus and to remember the feeling that when we knew that we couldn't do it on our own, to remember that fact each and every day. It will allow us to walk in openness with God, it will allow us to walk at peace with God, and it will allow us to walk in obedience with God. And so how does that really be, how is that acted out? Because most decisions that we have in our lives They're not like this one, right? They're not like where it seems like, you know, an entire nation, you know, is going to be held responsible for one decision that I make. So how do we, how do we figure out a way to live this out daily? Well, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 helps us understand this. And this is a really, um, this is a really common verse as we begin to, you know, think about living out a daily life in a practical way. But, but it's a good reminder. And Colossians 3.23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Whatever you do, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. I think Saul got this messed up. I think that he began to think about how he could work for the people. 
how he could try to, how, how he could appease what the, you know, their cries and their desires. And he began to take on what they wanted as his own desires. And he forgot that his goal should be to bring a nation to God. But for our lives, sometimes we feel like what we're doing seems so insignificant and the decisions that we make, they don't really matter because nobody's really watching. But that is exactly what defines a person of character, is what we would do when nobody's watching. And I don't think God's changed his mind that he's looking for people with character. as we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks. We believe that as we, as hindsight, look back at to what kings would look like, there's a king coming by the name of David. And what we find in this king named David is that he's a man of great character. Does it mean that David never messed up as we're going to find? It absolutely does not. But it means that his heart was willing to do whatever God wanted. And when he messed up, he repented. And having character doesn't mean that we never make wrong decisions. It just simply means we recognize those and we give them to God and we stop relying on ourselves and we completely give our lives over to trust in God. And so I hope that tonight we can understand that whether, whether you've been walking with God for a matter of days or weeks or you've been walking with him your whole life, the temptation can be the same, that we can do this on our own and that we can do our work for people rather than God. And so it's my encouragement for you tonight that you would understand that God values our obedience to his plan, even when it might be uncomfortable and definitely when it would be unpopular. So regardless of his plan in our lives, regardless of where we find ourselves in our place of work or our families or our friends, there's going to be people that begin to look to us for hope. And how we can give them that is to live each day by asking God, God, give me the strength to say no to this temptation. Give me the strength to say yes to your plan, and to walk in obedience each day. Would you stand tonight as we close? I just, I just want to pray for all of us here because I think that this message and this, this story can be so important for us if we look to God to really be the one who keeps us on his path. None of us would want to hear words like, like Samuel had to give to Saul that, oh, I'm sorry I ever made him king. We don't want words that would be so terrible to hear and, and impossible for us to understand. And not that they would come, but, but that we could look to God each day and rely on him. So I hope that we'll just take this time and this moment and we'll pray and, and we'll give our lives to Jesus, to trust him, to help us make those decisions, to, to walk out those steps, that we wouldn't just live with good intentions, but we would allow our lives to reflect the goodness of God.
Lord, we pray just that tonight, that as we would go from this place and and we would look to you each day, that you would help us make the decisions that would lead to us living a life of character, a life of, of fullness, a life of hope. God, I pray that you would help to re- renew our minds and that you would help us to see you clearer. That is sometimes we, our life gets so busy and so stressful and so chaotic that it can be difficult for us to really see that some of the decisions we make each day, some of the, some of the actions that we, that, we, that we take part in each day, that how destructive they can be to us and to others. So help us to see that. Help us to be walking with you each day. In Jesus' name. Now, if you'd be here tonight as we're still focused on God and, and you would come to this place and you would say, you know what, Aaron, I... I I know that I need Jesus. And maybe I didn't even know it before or, or maybe I didn't know why. But you're here tonight and you would say that you wanted to give your life to Jesus. And you haven't done that before and you want to say a prayer. We'll do it together. It will be a great step for you in your life. If that's you here tonight, I want to just ask that you would raise your hand right now. By raising your hand, you would say that's That's me. That's a decision I want to make tonight. Lord, help us as we go tonight to walk out your plan for our life and to see people the way you would and allow us the opportunity help share your love with the people in our lives. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. God bless you. You can be dismissed tonight. If you'd like prayer for anything, we'll have people up front at our altars. They would love to pray with you.